text I've chosen for the sermon this morning is Hebrews 11, verse 16. We'll read that verse again, Hebrews 11, verse 16. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, and boys and girls, that includes you too. Sometimes I think we, we act as if everything and anything that can be done has to be done while we're living here on this earth now. Of course, we do want to make the most of our time here because we don't decide when we're born or when we die how long, how long we live. But we do decide how to live our lives here. And then we also need to know that life doesn't end after our time here on earth, but it continues with the Lord. When a life is limited by disability or illness, when a life is cut short through death, we tend to think, well, that's sad. That person never realized his or her dreams. But who is to say that those dreams are not now realized on the other side? Who's to say that God now doesn't complete on the other side what he started on earth in this person's life. We say they, they, they have missed out on so much, but that's not true. Their life is completed on the other side. When we see someone who's lived a long life but has wasted it for the most part, and then we, we see someone with so much promise and ability and, and gifts die unexpectedly, we think that's unfair. That's not fair. But that's because we're thinking about life on earth and not realizing life continues. For the follower of Jesus Christ, death is not the end of life, but it's a continuation of life in another place. When you book a flight sometimes, you're going to have a stopover. I don't like stopovers myself because sometimes things happen during stopovers. Bad weather or getting stuck for a time, delays. You want to get from point A to point B as quickly as possible, but for the Christian, this life is just a stopover like that. It's a stopover. Waiting for us on the other side is life with God. Heaven. 
And our text for this morning tells us to live this life with that eternal destination in mind, always. And I proclaim to you God's word in Hebrews 11, verse 16, with this theme, then God has prepared a city for his people. And we see two things. We journey to that city with his promise, and we arrive safely at that city by faith. We journey to that city with God's promise. Beloved, it says in the text, God has prepared a city for them. For them. Who, for who is that city intended, first of all? Well, for those people mentioned in Hebrews 11 as having lived by faith. Hebrews 11 shows us a whole list of people on a journey, actually. It portrays them as on a journey, traveling. You think there of Abraham, Isaac, Moses, the people of Israel, traveling, journeying. But they're all, the, the, all the people listed in Hebrews 11, journeying, also the unknown people mentioned at the end of Hebrews 11, you can read that on your own. Believers persecuted for their faith who, who wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. We can include all believers today in that list. All of them who are free like us here today and maybe persecuted in places like Iran and North Korea. All of us are on a journey. Along with those believers of old, along with them we desire a better, a heavenly country, it says. That's what they desire. In other words, we desire something better than this life, this world, a better place. And you realize when it says that, then it assumes that this, this world does not, is not going to satisfy believers. This world isn't going to be satisfactory to us. Even if we have an abundance of earthly treasures and pleasures, our hearts are not going to be set on them. Like the preacher in the book of Ecclesiastes said after he, he had all the world could offer him and he had tried it all and he said, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. He wasn't satisfied with it all. Maybe you have abundance and you have your children around you and many joys in life. But did you not find over time that even in those good circumstances, you had this thorn in your flesh. There was something, even in all those good things, that did not satisfy. You desired something else. And that's because everything here is affected by sin. And true believers cannot be satisfied with even the best this life has to offer because 
ultimately their hearts are not set on the treasures and the pleasures here, but on the treasures and joys of heaven, the fulfillment of God's gracious promises to them in Christ, promises that will be realized in the life to come ultimately. And that's what our text means when it says they desire a better, a heavenly country. The original Greek doesn't have the word country here, and you'll notice that in our translation too, that word country is in italics, and that's when they kind of guess at a word in our translation, and the word is, is in italics. It doesn't have country there. It just says that they desire something better. A believer's faith is revealed in, in his or her deepest desires. If you, and then you have to think this through, if you are satisfied with what's available in this life, then you're not going to desire anything beyond it either. If you set your eyes and your heart on what this world has to offer, I, I'm telling you this, as Scripture says, then you're setting your sights way too low. Way too low. No, what God has promised is way above and beyond what this life can give, anything this life can give. And we need to remember that. Believers set their sights on the fulfillment of glorious, eternal, heavenly promises of God in Jesus Christ, who has ascended into heaven in glory. They set their hearts on Him. And everything they have in Him, Christ, He is their treasure. Their lives consist of then journeying toward the fulfillment of those promises in Christ, going towards Him. That's what their life consists of. Not being satisfied here, but always looking ahead to Him. And that's why it says, too, in the text, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Now, you have previous to that, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob mentioned too, patriarchs of promise. They were promised the land of Canaan. But all throughout their lives, they stayed strangers and sojourners, our translation calls them pilgrims, pilgrims on the land in, in Canaan. Always looking yet for a permanent place. Their hearts were not satisfied there, but they, they traveled from place to place without a, a permanent settlement. Oh, they could have gone back to where the family originally came from, back in Ur. That's where the permanent settlement was. But they didn't go back there. 
No, they, they traveled through the land living in tents like pilgrims, trusting God's promise to them. And they weren't perfect. We know that they stumbled often. They were sinful people as we are. Think of Abram, so afraid that he said Sarah, his wife, was his sister when he was there in Egypt. Think of Jacob, cheated his brother out of the blessing, his brother Esau. So their, their journey was sometimes, you know, two steps forward, one backward. But they always faced the right direction. Time and again, by God's grace, their feet found the way forward again. Their desires remained set on God's promises. They were not satisfied with here. They desired the fulfillment of what God had promised them. And therefore, God was not ashamed to be called their God. The God of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, he says. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then if we face that same direction, not satisfied here, desiring more than this world has to offer, facing that same direction, then he is also not ashamed to be called our God. As long as we keep looking and reaching out for what he has promised us in Christ. Promises stated in his word, sealed to us in baptism. And so we come back to that city mentioned in the text. Our text describes the fulfillment of God's promises as a city which God has prepared for his people. A city. You know that in ancient times, a city represented safety. A city had thick, high walls behind which you could find protection. It had a lot of people among whom you would find protection, too. Think of Jerusalem, the city of God. It was a city that could hardly be conquered. So when it says here that God has prepared a city for them, then you have to think of that city that God prepared as a place of ultimate safety and peace and prosperity. It's the destination of all believers. That's what they look forward to. That city as a safe haven close to the temple, God's dwelling with men in Jerusalem. All those people mentioned in Hebrews 11 were, were pilgrims on the way there. And we as believers today are on the way there too, to that same city prepared by God where there's peace and safety with God and the Lamb, Jesus Christ. 
That's what the hearts of all those believers in 11, Hebrews 11 desired. That's why they were not satisfied here. They looked to that city. And is that what your heart is set on to? To arriving at that city prepared by God? Because that's the destination for us, isn't it? Promised to us. Of course, we have to think here then of that city we read about in Revelation 21, the New Jerusalem, which the Apostle John saw descending from heaven. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And the impression we get from that vision of John is that that city was already finished, completed there, prepared, that heaven only has to open yet, and that that city will descend here on earth. That's our destination, congregation. Are you ready to move from this life into that city? Is that your desire? Your deepest desire? Sometimes I think, you know, we have it too good here today. And we're satisfied here. And therefore that desire isn't that deep with us. We're spoiled here. And then we have to ask ourselves every time again, have I made this life here my city? Am I so comfortable here that I hate to leave everything here behind to move to another city? Like Lot's wife, you know, she had to flee Sodom with her husband and her daughters, but she looked back longingly yet over her shoulder, didn't really want to leave that behind. Her desire was not out there, but back there, and she was overtaken by the disaster which came, overcame that city. Oh, a city is an exciting place, all kinds of things to experience in a city, and that's why cities attract a lot of people today. This world is becoming more and more urbanized all the time. Social, cultural life, entertainment, industry, shopping, you know, going to the city for, to shop. People gravitate to cities. You see that in the Bible, too. Think of Babel, Genesis 11. They all came together to that city to build that tower of Babel. They said, let's build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let's make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth, it says in Genesis 11. So in other words, all together, a city to praise human achievement and to make themselves so comfortable like heaven on earth. That city, Babel, comes back in the book of Revelation. As Babylon, it's called there. Same place. 
In Revelation, it represents human achievement, the idea that man can make a glorious life for himself here on earth apart from God, that he can make it heaven on earth here. Apart from God. That was the first Babel, and that's Babylon. And that's why John heard a voice calling out to believers when he saw that city. He, he heard a voice calling out to believers, Revelation 18, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. That city, you see, is the world that wants to live without God, a place of pride and immorality and godlessness, which, as Revelation shows us, is headed for total destruction. Well, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, as children of God, we could never feel at home in that city, could we? In Babylon? It represents this life as mankind has made it for himself without God. Mankind living without God. We don't belong here in that city. We're strangers here. We desire something better than this city here has to offer. We're on the way to the city prepared by God. And that's why I asked that question before. Is that city prepared by God your desire above the one here, the Babel people are building here, the Babylon. Are you, do you feel like a stranger here? Are you willing to leave Babel to keep traveling toward the city to arrive at the city of God? Think again of those people mentioned in Hebrews 11. They kept traveling toward that city of God as strangers and pilgrims. Traveling toward that city means you're a sojourner. And that means, too, that you're, you're willing to be seen as a stranger here. Here. The people look at you and say, stranger, strange. That means that you keep in mind and heart and live accordingly. That, that you live according to the fact that you have in your heart that faith that this life is not the real one. But your life, your real life is still to come. This life here with all its sorrows and enjoyments is just this temporary stopover on a journey to the real destination. We live here in tents which we should be ready to pack up when God calls us as he called Abraham. And that's how Paul puts it too. Looking forward to the time when I pack this tent up and go to my real home. 2 Corinthians 5. We have to watch out that we don't become so attached to the life here 
that we think it's our permanent home. Like Lot's wife, who was reluctant to give up her nice home and life in Sodom, even when the disaster struck and was lost in what overcame that city. No, <clears throat> let's keep God's promises in Christ, which he has laid out in the Bible for us as our greatest hope and desire. Let's keep that in our hearts and minds and live accordingly, not setting our hearts on everything here. We're on a way to... We're on the way somewhere here. We're on the way to a city prepared by God, the holy city described in Revelation. After all, as the Spirit reminds us, Hebrews 13, verse 14, it says in Hebrews 13, 14, for here we have no continuing city. Some translations have here lasting. I think that's a better one. Here we have no lasting city, but we seek the one to come. God's promise in this world, God's promise in his word, I would say Jesus Christ awakens that desire in us to keep on course toward that city to come and not to feel at home here. And we need that encouragement every Sunday again, don't we, as we're traveling. Because every week again, you know, over time, after Sunday, we slowly are inclined to become part of this city here again. But it's so clear to us that we have no lasting city here, isn't it? Time and again, you know, we experience the fragility and the temporariness of this life. Some of us have recently stood at a graveside. Some of us has, have had to deal with sicknesses and infirmities, also in our wider family. And then the doctors don't know and medicines don't help. A baby was just born in the congregation, so small and helpless. And there are marriages under stress. And we see all this brokenness of life. We bring all our pain and sorrow and worries before our Father in Christ again. And then we realize, wow, this is not it. This life is so broken. This life is just temporary. God reminds us in those things too. We're on a journey, people. This is just the stopover. Our destination, our real destination is somewhere else. With Him. His glorious city. And we know then that everything is going to become different at that, in that city. More beautiful than we can ever imagine. Because it's a city prepared not by people but by God Himself. God has given us that promise in Christ. Just as he gave that same promise to Abram, Isaac, and Jacob and wasn't ashamed to be called their God. They eagerly desired something better. 
They looked forward to that city promised by God. Let's look forward to that city with them. And then, then you already hear in your hearts, experience some of that peace and quiet that is perfect in that city and that safety. Congregation, the second point of the sermon was that we arrive at that city by faith. Congregation, you see from Hebrews 11 that faith means being convinced of what we don't see and of what we don't have. Being convinced of that. Convinced that God's promises will certainly be fulfilled because of Jesus Christ. It means that you don't live for this life only. You live for eternal promises you have received, promises signified at baptism, which remain until you leave this life. Every time we open the Bible, we read about those promises and God's faithfulness to his promises. Every time we worship together here, we hear about those promises. We sing about them together. We see them signified and sealed in baptism and at the Lord's Supper. And how we need that confirmation every time again, don't we? Because by nature, we're so earthbound, this earthbound, And then we focus only on what's here, what's tangible, what's already, what we already have. But that's not faith. Faith is be confident of things you don't have. And then to pay attention to God's promises again and again every Sunday, every time we open the Word, that keeps us from becoming hopeless when we have to deal with the troubles or sorrows this life brings and has, always has, always will have. We can always and every time again we open this word, we come back to the prospect of that city prepared for us by God in his grace. When things get dark in this broken life here, we in faith still see that city is a light on a hill before us. Well, in that faith, congregation, to hold that faith and keep that faith, then you keep that faith, you'll be able to enter that city because it's only entered by faith. Revelation 21, the apostle John tries to describe that city. He can, he can hardly find words to describe his vision of it. He can only describe it in what it's not. It's not this and it's not that and it doesn't have this. He can hardly find words for it. But the most awesome thing he does find words for. He says that the tabernacle or the dwelling of God is with men the almighty, holy, eternal, triune God will live with us and we with him. Here on earth, you know, we sometimes wonder, where is God? He sometimes seems so far away, so distant to us here in this life. Sin and its effects darken things here and darken our vision. 
And the result is that we don't see him anymore. And then we so easily forget our God. But in that city, the New Jerusalem, his glory is everywhere. His light is all through everything. There is no sun or moon or there are no stars. God and the Lamb are the sun and the light there. That's all we see then. God, always close to God. He never feels far away. Congregation, everything there manifests his presence, his majesty, his holiness, his goodness, his justice, his righteousness, his love, everything. Everything is basks in it. Everyone always knows for certain, without a moment of doubt, here is God. This is my God. Awesome. And then, to be that close to God, you cannot worry about things anymore. It's impossible. You can't be afraid. No thought of sin will enter your mind. There are all kinds of sorrows we deal with here. They won't be there. The physical and emotional pain that we suffer here it won't be there in that light and presence of God. God himself, it says, will wipe away our tears and there will be no more death, no grief because of separation anymore. That will all have passed away for good. Everything bathes in God's light. That's what's promised to us by God in that city he has prepared for his people. And that promise will be fulfilled. Jesus Christ, who died, rose, and ascended to God there, has gone before us, and he is the guarantee. The only question is, do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you, in your heart, look forward to that city of God, to basking in the light of God and the Lamb? Are you willing to keep journeying through this life in faith? And if need be, let everything you have here go for that. Because it's only by faith that you arrive safely in that city. Congregation, you realize we're all pilgrims. We're all pilgrims on the way there. Christ has opened the way for us through, through this life to glory, to that city. So let's not just be busy with this life alone, living it as if this is it. Let's not get so caught up in this life that we live it as so many do. This is it. And when we leave, it's just lights out and please close the door. No. Look ahead. Look ahead. Look up. Praise God. 
He has promised His children something better. He has prepared a city for you.